Good day, everyone, and welcome back to Quantitative Health. This is Dr. Paul Kilgore, and today we're here with a special podcast episode to talk about a very important topic which you may have heard about in the news over the past week, and that is Lyme disease. You may know that Justin Bieber, about four days ago, announced that he's been suffering from chronic or long-term Lyme disease. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this today because it's in the news and many people have been suffering from this over the years. It's actually increasing. So it's a great topic. It's a hot topic, actually, and a lot is happening in Lyme disease. Uh, So let's get into it. One of the things I wanted to mention to you right off the bat, and it's almost a disclaimer, is that Lyme disease as a subject is complicated and actually has a lot of information around it. So in our podcast today, I will not be able to cover every nuance or detail of the illness or diagnosis or treatments, but I also wanted to put some resources up on our website, which, by the way, I wanted to mention to you is uh, live, it's up and running, and you're more than welcome to visit and spend as much time there as you like. The website is quantitative-health.com. Again, it's quantitative-health.com. Quantitative is spelled Q-U-A-N-T-I-T-A-T-I-V-E hyphen health.com. Okay, so you can go there later and find not only this podcast, but you'll be able to find other materials there around what we do at Quantitative Health and also more information about Lyme disease. So one of the things that I want to mention to you is that we've known about Lyme disease for several decades. It's not a new phenomenon at all, but one of the things that we're beginning to recognize is it's actually increasing in its occurrence or what we call incidence over time. And it's quite dramatic increase, and in part, it appears to be related to the distribution of ticks in the environment. And perhaps as we see more climate change, we may see expansion of Lyme disease and other uh, diseases that we encounter by exposure to ticks. So be aware of ticks in the environment, and we'll come back to the prevention strategies in, in a few minutes. So with Lyme disease, One of the things that I wanted to mention to you is that from a medical perspective and for doctors, it can be a challenging disease to diagnose. For one reason, Lyme disease can actually mimic or look like other diseases that we encounter. For example, a viral illness like influenza. One of the reasons for this is that in the early stage of Lyme disease, and that's typically from day three to day 30 of symptoms, we see a wide range of manifestations. So we see things like fever, we can see rash, there can even be facial or paralysis of the face and arthritis. In addition, people will experience fever and chills together, headache, fatigue, muscle and joint aches, and they may actually feel or the doctor could feel and detect swollen lymph nodes that may be there even if there's no rash. And these swollen lymph nodes are things that can arise in other diseases. For example, an upper respiratory tract infection or uh, other acute viral infections. One of the things I wanted to mention before we move further into the clinical description is that Lyme disease is caused by a bacteria. It turns out that there's actually several species or different genetic variants of this bacteria, but the bacteria name is Borrelia burgdorferi. Borrelia burgdorferi is a spirochete, so it's in a family of bacteria that's very similar to the cause of syphilis, treponema pallidum. Now, Borrelia burgdorferi 
as the cause of Lyme disease is actually transmitted when the tick takes a blood meal. So this is when the tick attaches to your skin. It actually, in the process of taking your blood, will inject some of its saliva, and that's how you get the infection. So that's why prevention of exposure to the tick in the first place is the number one strategy we have right now for prevention of Lyme disease. I'll come back to that prevention in just a minute because that's going to be very, very important for this coming year. As we move forward in the clinical manifestations of Lyme disease, if you go to many websites, and probably the best website I would say for looking at pictures of Lyme disease as is at cdc.gov, and then you could Google cdc.gov, Lyme disease, and then you'll see under the signs and symptoms, there's pictures of rashes, and I can put the link on my website. So you can take a look at those. One of the things I think that's very important to know is that when you see a rash or when your doctor sees a rash, there, there is a classic rash for Lyme disease, but realize that the classic rash does not appear in everyone who may have Lyme disease. So that classic rash is something we call in the medical jargon, erythema migrans. Erythema migrans looks like a target, looks like a target rash, and that classic rash has been observed. It's what you see in all the textbooks, but it's not one that appears in everyone. You'll see the other pictures that Lyme disease rash can look like, and that's at the cdc.gov website. Now, one of the things that's important to know is that when you have a tick bite and when you get bitten and then the Borrelia burgdorferi bacteria gets injected or gets into your bloodstream, it will spread and it takes time because this bacteria is very interesting. It's a very complicated bacteria structurally, but the other thing to know is that it makes copies of itself slowly. So in the medical jargon, we say it replicates slowly, meaning that it can take a while for it to grow up and spread throughout the body. And that's one of the reasons why there can be a slow progression after the tick bite in this early phase of from 3 to 30 days when people begin to see the rash. The rash may not appear immediately, but when people do get the rash, it's warm to the touch. It's not really itchy or painful, but it can clearly enlarge over time. And this can appear, the rash can appear on any part of the body. The other thing I want to mention is that as the symptoms or the disease progress, people can have involvement of other systems. There's a couple reports in the literature and in the news you may have seen or read about where people have what we call Lyme carditis. This is where the Lyme bacteria in the infection attacks heart muscle, and that can lead to disturbance in the heart rhythm and can, in some cases, very rare cases, lead to death due to disruption of normal heart rhythm and normal heart function. Middle and later stages of the disease, people will begin to have severe headaches. They may have neck stiffness. They may have rash. There's even something where people get facial drooping. We call this a facial palsy. It's where the nerve in the face is affected to the point where people cannot normally move their face and one side of the face looks like it's drooping compared to the other. We also can see that the infection can affect tendons, muscles, joints, bones, and even lead to episodes of dizziness, shortness of breath, and we even see things like shooting pains, numbness, tingling in the hands and feet. And we know one of the major manifestations that people have experienced in the past with Lyme disease is arthritis. So people can actually manifest joint swelling, and this can be very painful and debilitating. 
or affect people's normal lifestyle and, and normal functioning. So that's very important. One of the reasons why Lyme disease is so important too is that it can be difficult to diagnose. And, and I think in the case of Justin Bieber, one of the things that he's going to be talking about in a YouTube docudrama that I think is coming up at the end of January is his experience with Lyme disease. At least I hope he talks about that. And one of the things that I think physicians recognize is that Lyme disease does occur during the year, especially in the summer months when ticks are prevalent. But in fact, if you look at the literature and information at cdc.gov, you'll see actually that Lyme disease can occur year-round and ticks can affect humans um, in many different locations of the U.S. year-round. One of the other things I wanted to mention is that this is a tick we call the black-legged tick. Sometimes people call it the deer tick. And you know, ideally, if you see the tick attached carefully taking it off or having a physician or another clinic take it off, your skin as quickly as possible is helpful because then the bacteria are less likely to get into your bloodstream or into your skin. The other thing I want to mention is that laboratory testing for Lyme disease is feasible. It is possible. Um, however, there are limited laboratory tests and CDC describes or recommends a two-stage test. There's been some recent developments in the arena of testing where there's some new FDA-approved tests for Lyme disease testing. But the bottom line is that right now we have Lyme disease testing clinically that's focused on detection of antibody that's created or formed by your body when the Lyme bacteria gets into your bloodstream, into your skin, and you start to make an immune response to that bacteria. Those antibodies are the IgM and the IgG antibody. And in future episodes, I'll go into much more detail, but I didn't want to go too far into the weeds with that. Just to mention that if you are exposed to a tick and you develop these signs and symptoms, do seek out a clinic medical care so that you can have an evaluation and perhaps get laboratory testing done. Now, the other thing I want to mention is that in the treatment of Lyme disease, there are several antibiotic therapies that are recommended and available. And the earlier the treatment, the more likely it is that you'll be able to clear the infection in a shorter period of time. One of the challenges with Lyme disease is because it's a slow-growing bacteria and these antibiotics really work when the bacteria are making copies of itself, it means that people have to undergo or take antibiotics for a prolonged period of time, typically over a several days or a few weeks period initially. And then there's an evaluation of the patient to see how they're progressing uh, to determine if additional antibiotic therapy is needed. More recently and over the years, there's been a lot of controversy about Lyme disease, whether or not there is a chronic Lyme disease state. In other words, can people have a Lyme infection or Lyme disease infection with the bacteria that goes on for several weeks, if not several months, and there's emerging information to suggest that this is a an entity that needs to be considered and an area certainly for further research. But one of the things we know right now is that there is this entity we call post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome. And one of the very interesting things and important things to know about Lyme disease is that it does cause an, certainly an immune response when you're infected. And then as you're recovering, the immune response evolves through creation of different antibodies. But the other thing we know about Borrelia burgdorferi is that it can actually trigger what we call an autoimmune response. The autoimmune response is important because we've seen this with other 
infections, other bacteria. One other bacteria that does this is Campylobacter. And in Campylobacter infections, we see Guillain-Barre syndrome, which you may have heard of. Chlamydia infections can be followed by Reiter's syndrome. Uh, we'll talk about that. And strep throat can result in rheumatic heart disease. Strep throat is a very common infection. Chlamydia can be common as well. And what we know is that in some cases, we see bacteria, bacterial infections that result in autoimmune phenomenon. And what we mean by that is that the bacteria may resolve, the infection actually may go away or be tamped down, but we actually see your body making an immune response to parts of the bacteria, and then that immune response also reacts with your own body, with your own tissues. And in some cases, it may be the joint, for example, lining of the joints leading to manifestations or clinical symptoms of arthritis. In other cases, for other bacteria, like Campylobacter I mentioned, we see cross-reaction with neurons, with neural tissue. So we actually see disturbances that affect the breathing apparatus, our neurologic system that helps support breathing. In the case of Lyme disease, we still don't know everything, but it's clear that with the way that Lyme disease behaves and the immune system interaction, that there is an autoimmune phenomenon that we are beginning to learn more about, and it is likely leading to an inflammatory response, this autoimmune response that can cause long-term symptoms and take months or perhaps even longer to recover from. Treating these patients can be very difficult. In the case of Justin Bieber, what we may be observing is actually an individual, which is not that uncommon, who has the infection, gets treated for some period of time, uh, requires prolonged therapy, but even after that therapy is completed, we may actually see long term symptoms or signs and manifestations of the disease that can take months or even some years to recover from. So Lyme disease is very important. It's actually a disease that was originally believed to be more common in the Northeast United States. But what we're learning through surveillance and epidemiologic studies is that this disease is actually appears to be spreading. The range of the tick is spreading. And when we see that, we actually see more cases over time. And one of the things that we are now learning is that the number of cases over time has not only increased, but when we talk about reported cases, the reported cases is roughly around 30,000 a year in the United States. But recent reports from the CDC suggest that the actual number of Lyme disease cases may be 10 times that. In other words, 300,000 cases of Lyme disease may be occurring each year in the United States. It's one of the reasons why we really need great public health surveillance and more work to understand where this disease is occurring, who it's affecting, and that can actually lead us to understand how to better diagnose it, better treat it, and help prevent it. Going forward, one of the things that you may realize is that vaccines are in development, and now there's vaccine research work going on to develop new Lyme disease vaccines. I would also add, by the way, that if you have a pet and a dog, there actually are vaccines for Lyme disease for pets, for dogs. The other thing I wanted to mention before we close today is that prevention of Lyme disease is something that everyone should know about. And when we talk about preventing Lyme disease, we really talk about wearing clothing when we're out walking in the woods or in the forest or on a picnic that can prevent the attachment of the tick to begin with. There also are repellents and some new repellents developed that will actually 
help decrease the likelihood that the tick would even want to attach in the first place to your skin. So that's very important to know about. Make sure that you cover and make sure that you have footwear also when you're walking out in the forest or in the woods. Make sure that you also, when you're done with your activity outside before coming indoors, make sure that you look at your skin. And this pretty much means everywhere that you may have been exposed to make sure that you don't have a tick attached to you. And you can do this with your friends, your family members. Just make sure that the ticks are not there after you come back from your activity. Also, know that ticks and the biting can occur in all ages. So we see young kids getting Lyme disease. We see adults getting Lyme disease. So there's really no age barrier to Lyme disease. So I'm going to stop there for now. There's going to be more information on my website, quantitative-health.com. Thank you so much for being here today. And let me know your comments, your questions through the website. Send me an email, send me a message. You can log in, look at the website, and then put your name, message, and email, and I'll get back to you if you have any questions. Thank you so much. Look forward to talking with you again soon.